Welcome to the latest edition of the Shukri Rights Podcast with your host, Shukri Rights. This guest is a returnee to the podcast. Had him back on back in December. It's been a while, but it's perfect timing to have him back on now. Ben Ross, broadcaster, play-by-play broadcaster, writer. He's covered the A's for NBC Sports California. He joins the podcast. Ben, what's going on? What's been new, man? It's been like how many months? Yeah, like, it's I, been a while. Eight months almost? Yeah, yeah, eight or nine, I think. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. It's really good to be back on. For sure. Um, doing well, yeah, keeping busy. Like you said, I'm doing – I do play-by-play for a lot of, like, college sports around here in, in uh, Northern California. Uh, I do – I write for the Associated Press – uh, and I do some freelance writing, too, for um, other newspapers like the San Francisco Examiner. Uh, as you mentioned, I used to cover the A's for NBC Sports California and NBC Sports Bay Area. So I'm still there a couple of days a week freelancing for them as well. So I'm still very much uh, up on the A's and the Giants out here. And uh, yeah, man, it's good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I mean, so much has gone on since we last spoke in December, which was format to the holiday season of 2020. Like, what's been new? Like, what's been going on? Like, any new any new changes in your life? Like, what's going on? Man, just uh, a little busier, I think, now. That, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to have everything kind of back, like, as far as the sports go. Like, for sure. I know that uh, I know that this this pandemic has been going on so long and it, it felt like we were kind of done with it and now it's coming back and it's still, it's still tough, but I, I'm just thankful that we've, we've got all the leagues running and college football is back up and going. And, uh, but yeah, for the most part, not too much different for me. Um, you know, I've, I've gone on a few trips, uh, still living in San Francisco, still kind of doing the, the freelance life. Like I mentioned, um, I've, I've gotten a couple games, with the Pac-12 network as far as play-by-play. So that that was in the spring. I did some college baseball broadcasting. Uh, so that was fun, and hopefully there will be some more there. But, yeah, as I said, kind of uh, living that freelance life between broadcasting, writing, um, a little bit of everything. That That's amazing. You, you talked about how you did, like, play-by-play for the Pac-12 network um, back in the spring. What was that experience like, and which, which games did you end up calling? Yeah, that was awesome. So I did the series. I did the Cal uh, Washington State baseball series in wow. Berkeley, mm. and that must have been back in April, I want to say. Mm. Um, and yeah, that it was a great experience. I mean, it, I was it was sort of a long time coming because I had been scheduled to do a few games for the Pac-12 Network that all got canceled for one reason or another. You. For the most part, it was because of COVID nineteen, you know, mm. the pandemic and and yeah. people testing positive, and so that was it was disappointing to not get to do some of those other games. So I was really happy that at least we got to do that series. Um, and so yeah, that was a lot of fun going out to the ballpark in Berkeley. You know, I I went to college at Cal, so mm. um, I remember announcing those baseball games on the radio back a long time ago when I was in school. And uh, Evans Diamond doesn't look at doesn't look a whole lot different. They've made a few upgrades, but yeah. um, you know, it was a good series. Couple of uh, kind of under the radar baseball programs out here on the West Coast, and uh, thought it went really well. It was it was fun to 
to call those games and, you know, have a real broadcast truck there and have, you know, have multiple cameras and replays and all the, all the good high tech stuff that TV broadcasts have. Was that your first time doing play-by-play broadcasting or what, or this is something that you had done previously before? Well, it was my first time for the PAC 12 network. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of play-by-play for like, I do play-by-play for the West coast conference and for some, some mountain West games as well. San Jose state. Uh, but I mean, again, in the Bay Area, there's so many, there's so many colleges. You know, Cal and Stanford obviously are, are the big ones. But yeah, I do games for St. Mary's College and Santa Clara University, uh, University of San Francisco, as I mentioned, San Jose State. So uh, I've actually I've even been out to Stockton uh, wow. to do some University of the Pacific games. Yeah, for those who know California, Stockton is uh, it's actually not too far away, maybe an hour or so east from from where I'm at. And uh, they've got a good program in the in the WCC as well. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot of play by play. You know, it's something I loved doing when I was in college and I kind of got away from it. And I, I was kind of bummed I got away from it because I sort of went. I went down the path of uh, like more local sports TV, like on yeah. the local news. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went and worked for I went to a couple of smaller places and reported like the sports segments on the local news. And that was fun too, but I really missed doing play by play. I think that's my favorite thing is, is calling live action, whether it's radio, TV, internet, whatever. So I'm happy I'm getting to do that again. That that is awesome. And, and like I recently had um, having um, less than an opportunity to, to call hockey that's my first uh, play-by-play gig, and I I'm I couldn't be more excited. I mean, hockey is something that I have loved since I was um, since I was young, but I also know yeah. that hockey has its own set of challenges, given this constant action, this constant change. You know, that changes that are happening on the fly. You have to be like you know very fast. Yeah. With it. So so I, I can only imagine um, like the first time jitter, so to speak, especially when you uh, when you're doing a play-by-play of a live event. I'm excited for you. I saw that on Twitter. Congratulations on that hockey Thank gig. You. That's that's very cool. And you're right. Like I grew up loving hockey too. And you're right. That's I, you know, I've called a few hockey games before, and you're it's tough. It's fun though. Like as you said, it's challenging because it's such a fast sport and it's nonstop action, but it's fun. Like I I love that. I I kind of like the faster sports for play by play. You know, I've I think I've gotten better at doing baseball, but I was a little bit tougher for me at first because baseball is obviously a very slow moving sport. Yes. A lot of, a lot of uh, downtime and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the best baseball announcers out there do a great job with stories and, and they just have so much information to keep it interesting between pitches. So that was sort of like a learning process for me, but yeah, I love Hockey has always been one of my favorites, so I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you do that. I, I, I appreciate that. Like, I can't wait to get started on um, this fall. And speaking of this fall, it's going to be a really interesting time for the Bay Area, in particular, the San Francisco Giants, who currently have the best record in baseball, and the Oakland A's, in which that they're fighting for, um, for a wild card spot. Now, let's start with the yeah. Oakland A's, because – I saw what happened the the night that Chris Bassett had gotten hit in the face with that line drive in Chicago. Any new updates as it pertains to Bassett and as well as the Oakland A's, they continue to try to claw their way to a a wildcard spot for for October baseball. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, and you probably know it because I know you're uh, an American League fan, and so yeah. I'm sure you know you, you got the Yankees, the Red Sox, the A's, all kind of in that wild card race, and the A's have really been struggling recently. They've kind of fallen on some tough times, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, with Chris Bassett. Man, I mean, that was obviously so scary when we saw that happen. And uh, like, thank God, it seems like he's going to be okay. You know, he yeah he uh, he underwent uh, surgery like because he had a fracture, I think, in his cheek. So he underwent surgery, and he actually looks pretty good. He's he's back with the team now. Like, he's obviously not playing, but he's back in the clubhouse in the dugout. Um, you know, he's done a couple interviews, and he looks and feels pretty good. Mm. And You know, the thing with Bassett is he's the kind of guy who he's going to get back out there the minute they let him. Like, I feel like for some guys, they might not pitch again this year, but I wouldn't put anything past him. He's (laughs) he's such a competitor that I could see him maybe coming back some at some point this month in September uh, or certainly if the A's were able to get into the playoffs. But I'm just I'm so thankful that it could have been a lot worse than he was. And that's always so scary. I mean, that's when you see a pitcher get hit by line drive like that, it's just, you just hold your breath and you just pray and you hope that, uh, that everything's going to be okay. So that's the good news for him. But yeah, for the A's, I mean, they've been struggling, you know, they just got swept. They just got swept by Toronto. Uh, Before that, they, they had blown a couple of late leads against the giants against the Mariners Um, their bullpen has fallen on some tough times and all of a sudden they find themselves, I think three and a half, four games out of a wild card spot and they're running out of time. They, I mean, they've been sort of streaky all year long, but they need to go on a winning streak now if they're going to have any chance to get in. Absolutely. And I watch pieces of the A's and Blue Jays series in which I saw Marcus Simeon, I mean, he just looked like the Marcus Simeon that we've known over the last few years. And it leads me to ask you this question. The Oakland A's this season, they have not been the same offensive team that they have been in the previous two, three seasons. And that has a lot to do with the departure of Marcus Simeon from the middle of that lineup. And and Matt Chapman has not had that same kind of protection in that lineup in which he, he now has to carry the load by himself, by and large part. So I'll ask you this. Is it fair to say that the Oakland A's are missing Marcus Simeon's bat and do they regret not bringing him back um, during last free agency? Oh, absolutely. I I think that's a very fair point that you make. I I don't think there's any question they're missing his bat. I mean, you're seeing what he's doing with the Blue Jays. I think he just hit his 38th home run of the year tonight. (laughs) I mean, he is having a great year. And yeah, the A's, I think, are really missing his production. Uh, you know, the Matt Chapman thing is interesting because he he kind of ha- is having a down year. He's He's been hitting better recently, but, you know, he's definitely not playing up to his capability, I think, offensively. Um, you know, the offense has gotten better for the A's since the trade deadline. They mm. added some big pieces. They added uh, Starling Marte, who's been great. They added... Uh, Josh Harrison, who's also been great, Jan Gomes. Um, they've gotten some production from those guys. And then probably their best hitter all year has been Matt Olson, mm-hmm. uh, who was an all-star. But uh, I, I don't think there's any question that they're missing Simeon's bat. Now, as far as do they regret not bringing him back, 
that's what's so tough about the A's, man. And that's what was disappointing this offseason because it was we kind of saw it coming. You know, they always have such a low payroll. Yeah. The ownership does not want to really invest any anything into this team. And we A's fans have seen this happen for years now where they they let their best players go all the time. And it is just so frustrating because, yeah, not, not only Marcus Simeon, uh, but Liam Hendricks, you yeah. know, the all-star closer who's now with the White Sox. We talk about how the A's bullpen has been struggling. They're missing him like crazy too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, think, I think that uh, on some level they have to regret not bringing those guys back. But on the other hand, that's just how they do things. Ownership doesn't really – provide them the resources to compete and get, you know, pay these guys. It's, it's tough to be an A's fan in that regard. Going from the East side of the Bay to the West side of the Bay, let's go to San Francisco because Mm -hmm. the giants, and I've said this on multiple radio shows, multiple podcasts that the giants have really been the big story in baseball this year that no one could have foreseen the San Francisco giants not only having the best record of baseball for long stretches of the regular season, but yeah. to also be a game ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers coming off a big series win over the Dodgers over the weekend. So the first question I want to ask you in terms of the Giants is this. Do you look at this rotation and say, this rotation reminds me of, the, of those Giants teams that won three championships in five years or do you say that, that the veterans in this lineup has had years, great years of production, similar to the years that the Giants were winning World Series in 2010, 12, and 14 as a reason why they are having the success that they're having? Man, I think it's both. I mean, it's been stunning. To me, it's, it's mainly been the offense if I had to pick one. Mm. Uh, like you said, you know, some of the some of the older guys on that team, some of the veterans that I don't think we were expecting to produce, you know, Buster especially Posey. Brandon Crawford. He's like batting 375 with runners of scoring position. Yeah. Brandon Crawford is like, I mean, you could make a case for him as MVP right now. Like he's having such a wow. good year at the plate. He's always a great defender. But then uh, Brandon Belt mm-hmm. as well. Buster Posey, you know, guys that were on those teams that won the World Series and they're all having big years. Um as far as the rotation goes, you know, that I don't think that their starters are as good as the teams that won World Series. I don't think they've got the Matt Kane or the Tim Lincecum kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they do. Kevin Gosman is having a terrific year. So is uh, Anthony Disclafani, mm-hmm. who, you know, I don't think anyone expected those guys to perform as well as they have. And the guy that's really impressed me is, is the youngster, Logan Webb who like the last couple of months, I feel, I think his ERA is like under two. I mean, he's making a case. He's making a case to be their number one starter in the playoffs, you know, for game one uh, of whatever series they're in. So Mm. yeah, it really is amazing how good they've been. I I think that lineup is really one of the best in baseball and, you know, their pitching staff, I think, I I think people kind of kept waiting for them to sort of come back to earth a little bit. And it just hasn't happened They we're in September and they still have the best record in baseball. So uh, this team is legit. They're a real world series contender. How pleasantly surprised were you by their ability to raise the level of play, especially in a series against the Dodgers where 
everybody in the baseball world know that this was a series to watch. Yet the Giants, whenever they've been met with, with a challenge, they have they have not only overcome them, but they have exceeded expectations in being able to overcome those challenges. Yeah, you're you're completely right. You know what really impressed me is you know, heading into that Dodger series, they had actually been they had been slumping a little bit. I think they, you know, they mm-hmm. lost four games in a row, and then they they did win the finale against Milwaukee. Um, but remember, the Dodgers moved into first place briefly uh, for like one day. I think yeah. the Dodgers moved a half game ahead mm-hmm. because they were winning a lot. The Giants had lost four in a row, and you know, I think a lot of people at that point thought maybe this is when the Giants sort of come crashing back to earth a little bit. But they did the opposite. They stepped up. They took two of three from the Dodgers. And not only that, you know, the Sunday game, they did it with a bullpen game. You know, a lot of the Giants pitchers right now are either injured or on the COVID list, guys mm. like Johnny Cueto and Alex Wood. Um, so they didn't even have a starting pitcher on Sunday. They, they went full bullpen game and they beat Walker Bueller, who is, you know, making it. But he's in the Cy Young race for the Dodgers. So absolutely. Yeah. Taking two of three. I think that was definitely a big statement for them. And, you know, obviously it's not over yet. It's still, they, you know, they lead the division just by one game. There's almost a full month left, Mm -hmm. but I do think that that, that really made a big statement that they're right at the Dodgers level. You know, I, I, I still consider the Dodgers as the best team in baseball when they're at their best. But you can make the case that the Giants are better. They, they've they played the Dodgers very tough this year. I think they ended up winning the season series like nine to eight. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, or 10 to nine or whatever it was that by one game. And yeah, this Giants team has impressed me a lot. Just the way that they've responded every, like you said, every time they're challenged, they seem to rise to the occasion. What has impressed you most about Chris Bryant in which that I think right now he is the single uh, the single biggest trade deadline acquisition of any team in baseball. I, th- I think it's completely fair to say in terms of what you've seen since he left Chicago to the Dakota, San Francisco has been nothing less than I can't say shocking, but it's been pretty damn impressive considering his track record. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's a fair statement. You know, you could definitely make that argument that he's been the most, you know, the biggest acquisition Um, for whatever reason, he has just fit in with that team right away, you know, and he's even said it in interviews, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, right when he got there, it kind of, he felt comfortable. He, he enjoyed, he gelled with his teammates right away. He enjoyed the fans. Um, so he just feels very comfortable there. And yeah, you've seen it in the production. You know, he he has been really hitting the ball well. And it just makes their lineup that much better because they already had a good lineup without him. Mm-hmm. And now you add this big time power threat right in the middle of the lineup. I mean, that that's a huge acquisition. And uh yeah, it has worked out as well as they could have possibly hoped. I mean, it's exciting times for for Bay Area um, baseball fans, but even more so, this is an even bigger point of controversy, if you want to label it as that. How about the 49ers? We are now just a little more than 36 hours away from the kickoff of the 2021 NFL season. But the big story right now in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks is 
is that head coach Kyle Shanahan has not been able to decide who's going to be the starter. Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? As someone who is there in the Bay Area, and I'm sure that you listen to to, to local radio, whether it's 95.7 The Game or KNBR, what's the discussion in the Bay Area in San Francisco as it pertains to how Kyle Shanahan is handling this quarterback competition or platoon situation, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's fascinating because I think the majority of fans want Trey Lance to play. They want to see Trey Lance. And, you know, it's only a matter of time until Trey Lance takes over, you know, whether that's the start of this season, whether that's midway through the season, whether it's next year. I mean, they obviously, they went up and they traded a lot to, to move up and draft him for a reason. They, they believe he is going to be their franchise quarterback. Um, and I think a lot of the fans are hoping to see him right away. Mm. Uh, it's interesting how Shanahan has played it. Cause you're right. He's kind of had some fun with it. Like the media every day we're asking him, who is it going to be? Are you ready to name a starter yet? And it's interesting to me because at the beginning of training camp, he, he made it clear, or at least he tried to make it clear that it was Jimmy Garoppolo's job. You know, he, mm. we asked him about that, uh, and he said it's not an open competition. It's Jimmy Garoppolo is the one, and Trey Lance is the two. Mm. However, throughout training camp, I think it's safe to say that you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess, in training camp. But Lance has looked really good. And that's not to say Garoppolo hasn't, but I think we know who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Trey Lance is sort of the unknown here. Mm. He's looked really good. And I think Shanahan's language has been less definitive as we've moved closer to the season. Wow. You know, now he, he, it's not so much that, oh yeah, Garoppolo is definitely the number one. Like, I, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up being the guy. He hasn't announced it, but he's sort of hinted at that. Uh, at least in, in at least in week one, but I do think that Trey Lance is a lot closer than he made it seem at the beginning of training camp. And so I think, as I said, it's only a matter of time. If I had to guess, I'd say we're going to see Trey Lance starting games at some point this season. I think it's going to be really fascinating because personally on the outside looking in, I mean, having just witnessed a quarterback competition, here in New England between Mac Jones and Cam Newton, and I was on Team Mac Jones. But what I've seen from Kyle Shanahan is he's not ready to make a decision, or dare I say, he doesn't have the balls to make a decision. Because <laughs> either way, no matter no matter what he was going to do, he was going to be criticized. You go with the rookie, if he and if and if Trey Lance falls on his face, guess who gets to blame? Kyle Shanahan. You start Jimmy G. And he struggles like the way he did to start the 2020 season. You guess who gets to blame? Kyle Shanahan. Now, if you are the brass of the 49ers and you're general manager, John Lynch, and you're and you're looking at this roster as it's currently constructed. Which quarterback do you firmly believe gives you the best chance to win? It's a tough question. And. I personally think the answer is Trey Lance. Now, I let me re, let me rephrase. I think Trey Lance gives you the best chance to win a Super Bowl this season. I think maybe there's going to be some growing pains early on, mm-hmm. um, but I to me, 
the goal is to win a Super Bowl this year if you're the 49ers. And I say Trey Lance has a much higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo does. Uh, and, and for that reason, I think the, the earlier you can get Trey Lance in games and, and in that offense, the sooner he's going to learn and become more developed and hopefully be the player you need him to be heading into the playoffs. So that's, that's sort of the way that I look at it. Now, that's not to say that Jimmy Garoppolo can't lead them there. Look, two years ago, he did lead them to a Super Bowl. They didn't win, and, and obviously that team was stacked defensively and they had lots of other pieces too. But he was the quarterback, and he, he played well enough to get them to a Super Bowl. And so, you know, he might be able to do that again. I just think, I think as I said, the ceiling, Trey Lance's ceiling is significantly higher than Jimmy Garoppolo's. Last question before before I wrap up the, the podcast interview. Now, coming up very shortly is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And the NFL did, in fact, announce that they're going to do something this weekend, um, I think, on, on the national broadcast of each game um, to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So, so I want to ask you to share with me your, your memories and recollection of that day what you remember and how it impacted you, um, you, you especially you, um, given that you were on the West Coast and so forth. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that it's already been 20 years? It doesn't it's feel amazing. like it. I was thinking about yeah. this t- tonight. Yeah. I mean, I still remember it vividly. And that, yeah, I mean, I, I just remember, like you said, I was on the West Coast. So I woke up to the news because I think I was in uh, probably, I was in high school at the time. I think I was 16 years old. And I just remember waking up and back then the first thing I would do when I woke up is turn on some sports radio. And uh, so I turned on the sports radio, probably seven or seven 30 in the morning. Wow. Uh, in, in on the West coast. And, and obviously they're not talking about sports at all. They're talking about this terrible tragedy. And uh, yeah, at that point I turned on the news and I remember wondering like if I was even, you know, did we have school that day? What were we doing? And, and I did end up going to school. And I, I remember that's sort of all we talked about, you know, in, in our history class, we, I, I had this history teacher that we all loved and he was trying to kind of big, talk big picture about everything and what this all means. And as I said, I can't believe it's it's going to be 20 years. It's been 20 years because I still it feels like it was just a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, just a just a really obviously a terrible day. And, you know, even though I'm on the West Coast, I, I've got lots of family in New York. And, you know, fortunately, my family was all OK, but they all know people. They all know people that, that passed on that day. And um, it's, you know, you, you think of New York as such a big place, but. It's a pretty tight knit, small community. And I think everybody back East probably knows someone who was lost that day. And so it really, it kind of hits home for everyone. It's, I agree. Like, it's really just difficult to just fathom and just to let us sink in that it's been 20 years. It's just, um, I mean, I know that the, the, the anniversary itself is just another, um, another couple of days away from the time of this uh, recording. And it's still still amazing that I, I'm having conversations with 20, 21 year olds, 22 year olds who have no memory of this day at all. Mm-hmm. They were either two years old or they're flat out just 
were just like infants. I mean, two years, yeah. two, two years old. You're, I mean, you're a baby, but but like you're either two years, two years old or younger. Like you have no memory of this day whatsoever. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like, wow, like it's like, how do you try to put this in perspective for the for for, for anybody? Um, for anyone in, in any walk of life that mm-hmm. did not live through that day, the day that we that we that we lived through, and and to put it into perspective, and I and you're and you're seeing a lot of 9/11 related programs, documentaries that are airing this week, and and I just think that outside of sports, I think it's I think it's a great thing because considering number one again, 20 years is just flat out, it's just numbing emotionally that it's been that long but even more importantly that i think with more does more time passes the more i think we realize just how much the world changed on that day alone yeah we, we i mean but for 21 year olds the biggest news of their lifetime is the pandemic for mm-hmm. us it's no question 9-11 mm-hmm. like and it's it's just amazing to me that we're um, that we're about to hit the 20 year anniversaries. And, and, and with that being said, I want to say thank you for, um, for coming on the podcast. Um, ben, it's definitely been a, a blast. We, we, we got to definitely do this again. And hopefully we'll have um, a lot more time on our side to be able to, to, to dive deeper um, into, into, into everything that's going on in the Bay Area for sure. Absolutely, man. Hey, thank you for having me on anytime. I love coming on. And uh, yeah, let me know. We can. We can talk sports anytime. Absolutely. My pleasure.